Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good morning, family. It's good to be here. It's also good to have to see the visitors here this morning and those who are looking at us on video. We're praying that God blesses you also. I'd like to encourage you to continue to look at us on, on video. We'd like for you to participate, those of you that are here. If you're at home, clap your hands, stomp your feet, shout. Whatever you might want to do, just do it because we are here to praise the Lord. I'd like for you to stand with me. And read the scripture and have a prayer. And if uh, following that, then we can say praise the Lord to another day. Please stand, open your Bibles to Psalm 100. It's been 364 days since I've been inside the sanctuary, and I'm happy to be here. I'm going to read Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faith endureth all generations. May God add a blessing to the readers and hearers and doers of his word. Let us bow. Heavenly Father, we come this morning with praises on our lips that you have allowed us to come to uh, serve you once again. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you just look down on all of us, continue to bless us and keep us, lead us and guide us, Heavenly Father. Because we love you, Lord. We cannot love you as much as you love us. But we love you just the same. And we are here today to give you the honor and the glory that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I said praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. We're coming to praise God today. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing it is. We are almost to the anniversary day of when the church shut down last year. For a whole year, God has sustained us. He has blessed us. And we are preparing to come back into the house of the Lord here in the next few weeks. Amen. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right there. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God some praise for the great things, the great things, the great things he has done. We give God praise, honor, and glory to the ministers that are here, to our audio and video folks, to our musicians, our praise team members, our deacons. To all of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, good to be in the house of the Lord once again. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of 
the Lord. What an honor it is. We have some visitors with us today. As I mentioned on last week, we're going to have visitors each week leading up to our entrance back into the house of God. And we are thrilled to have you all here with us this morning. We thank God for your presence. Uh, it is obvious that God has sustained you and blessed you for the last year and to be back in the house of prayer with us. What a blessing that is. Amen. What a blessing. We thank God for that. Listen, this month, this month, the last Sunday of the month, I believe it's the 28th, I will be preaching at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in the great city of Wilmington. Uh, we're going to need a few folk to go with us. Uh, JT has already signed up to roll with me. Of course, my wife, my family will be there. We're going to need some other folk to go with us, though. We're going to get around 15, 20 people, go over and celebrate the anniversary of Pastor Daniel Keith Williams, amen, at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. So please put that on your calendar. For those of you who are here, if you're not here but you'd like to go, you live in the Wilmington area, reach out to Sister Lydia, let her know, amen, uh, and we'll put you on the list as well. Listen, family, we got to get ready to go to the Word of God, but before we do that, we have to be in prayer for the sick and for the shut-in, as well as the bereaved. We're praying for Sister Deaconess Faith Canty as she continues to recover and re uh, continues to be strengthened from the inside out. I ask that you all will continue to pray, pray for her, excuse me, continue to pray for her and continue to keep her on your prayer list. Amen. We're praying for Sister Belinda Harvey. We're praying for Sister Kathy King, Sister Evelyn Mitchell, Brother James Ridgway, Sister Caritha Williamson, who's in the process of starting chemo and going through that process. Pray for her. Pray for her. Pray for her daughters. Uh, amen. As they go through this difficult time. We're also asking that you pray for the bereaved. We're praying for Minister Baron Canty uh, today. They are funeralizing his 52-year-old sister in South Carolina. Uh, and uh, I'm asking that you lift him up before the Lord. Amen. As God would bless him and strengthen him from the inside out. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, how we bless and praise thee. God, how we thank thee for who you are and for what you've done. We bless you, Lord God, because you have kept us in spite of ourselves. God, you've led us. You've continue to guide us even in the paths of a righteousness for your name's sake. God, we ask today that you would forgive us of our sins, our indiscretions. Forgive us of those things in which we've done that are unbecoming of Christian men and Christian women. God, for we know that we have missed the mark and that we have come up short. But God, we bless you for a spirit of repentance. We bless you, Lord God, for a spirit of remorse. We bless you, Lord God, for a spirit of contrition. Now, God, we ask that you would purge us even now with hyssop. Wash us that we would be whiter than snow. God, we come before thy presence asking that you touch in a special way the names in which we've mentioned in the hearing. We're asking that you touch them in the midst of their situation and their circumstance. We're asking, Lord God, that you reach down and touch them with a finger of love and lift them from their beds of affliction. 
We thank you, Lord God, for how you've covered them and carried them thus far. But God, we also know that you have healing power. So God, we pray if it be your will that you would touch right now in the name of Jesus. God, we ask a blessing upon the bereaved. Minister Baron Canty, Lord God, touch his heart. Bless his family. Bless his uh, uh, extended family, Lord God. Those who are grieving, Lord God, over the, the passing of his sister who was saved. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord God, that she knew you in the midst of circumstances and situations. But God, we pray that you would lift up bowed down heads, that you would wipe the tears from their eyes. And we'll be careful to give you praise, honor, and glory. Now, God, we ask that you would touch in a special way. My mouth, Lord God, we pray that you would purge anything and everything that is within me that is contradicting to your will, your way, and your word. We pray right now, Lord God, that you would speak from heaven, that you would open up windows and pour out blessings that your people won't have room enough to receive. We pray today, Lord God, that your word would fall on good ground, that it would accomplish that which you have purposed for it to. Your word reminds us that it never returns to you void. It accomplishes everything that you send it out to do. So now, God, sit the preacher down. Stand your word upon the pedestal of my personality. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let all the people of God say, Amen, amen, amen. Come on and give God a hand, praise. For those of you who are watching us today, we appreciate you. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate your support. And as we prepare our hearts and minds today, we're going into a new series. We ask that you would stand and grab your Bibles. That you would stand and grab your Bibles that you would turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 13, I'll be reading verses 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11, and the word of God reads as follows. Lot looked out and saw that the entire plain of the Jordan as far as Zor was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden and the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11 so Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. From those two verses, I'd like to enter into a theme, a new theme for the next month, how to avoid setbacks on your journey how to avoid setbacks on your journey. And today we begin with the setback of selfishness. You may be seated in the presence of 
the Lord. How to avoid setbacks on your journey. We are not talking about trials and tribulations. We're not talking about the anxiety that comes along for many as it pertains to the aspect of everyday living. These setbacks are different. These setbacks are appealing. These setbacks are alluring. But these setbacks are not godly. The enemy, our adversary's primary objective, is to ruin the life of every Christian, of every believer, of every saint. One of the tactics he uses to draw us away from Christ is to place things before us, Minister King, that we would otherwise not even really be interested in. Sister Jasmine, he will put things before us that are obvious setbacks in that they pull us away from the direction and the guidance in which God is providing for us. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? A setback, an S-E-T back, is a snare, an enticement, and a trap. And it separates us and sends us in the other direction that God would otherwise have us go. What might be a setback for me may be of no interest to you. What might be a setback for you may not be of interest to me. Lot set back Deacon Hughes was good land and was a mind that was reminiscent of the land of Egypt. Lot got the land, he got the lust, he got the licentiousness that went along with his desire. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked people who would exert great influence over the life of Lot and his family. There was peril in Lot's paradise. I, I wish I had a few minutes to talk about. You got what you wanted, but it cost you what you had. Lot got what he wanted, but yet it cost him that which he had. What, what did he have? He had a wife. He had two daughters. He had what appeared to be a decent functioning family. But the Bible tells us that Lot was a righteous man, Yet he vexed his soul from day to day with the unlawful deeds of the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. Second Peter tells us in chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, that he was a righteous man. If it were not for Peter in the New Testament, many of us would assume that Lot had just died by the wayside and went to hell. But the fact is,
is the decision that he makes here in Genesis chapter 13 would carry along with it some serious and significant ramifications. When he makes his choice, he reveals unto us the character which is lurking in the shadows of his inner man. The steps to ruined family normally occur and they are gradual, starting with one small thing and leading to another and another until you look up and realize you have literally drifted from the presence of the true and the living God. William make Peace Thackeray, you heard me right, his middle name was Make Peace Thackeray. He was an English novelist who wisely said, sow a thought and reap an act. He said, sow an act and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. Lot went there with his wife. He went there with his two babies and what appeared to be a potentially good situation turned out to be the worst decision he could have ever made in his life. He left there with his wife and his babies, but when he came back from Sodom and Gomorrah, his wife was gone, and his daughters were demented. They were wild. They were wicked to the degree that they engaged in an incestuous relationship with their father when he was under the influence of some dark liquor, and they literally got impregnated by him, and from from this uh, blasphemous union, two of the greatest enemies of God came forth. It was the Moabites and the Ammonites. Yet where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. For out of the Moabites was a sister by the name of Ruth who happened to be in the lifeline, in the lineage, in the bloodline of a savior in the New Testament by the name of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody who knows that God can take what appears to be completely messed up, that God can take what appears to be completely blasphemous, that God can take what appears that which is demented and wicked and God can turn it around in order that it work out for a blessing. You don't have to say amen. I can look at your life and tell that you are a living testimony to what God can do. And if you can't say amen for yourself, let me say amen on your behalf. God is in the scenes of this situation, but he is in the background describing for us what is taking place in the life and in the mind of Lot. All of us family are on a journey. What we do along the journey can either propel us to spiritual greatness or plunge us into severe and catastrophic despair by way of setbacks, snares, 
enticements and traps along the way. So the question then, Pastor, becomes, how do I avoid setbacks in my journey? How do I manage through and maneuver through the landmines that the enemy is placing before me? How is it, God, that you want me to operate in this world but not be of this world when you know the, the fragility of who I am and yet the enemy is mounting attacks day by day, hour by hour, and minute by minute? How do I position myself to be stronger in the things of God and to walk worthy of the vocation in which God has given unto me. The first thing that's interesting about this story that I think God gives us a glimpse into in order that if we avoid these things, we are better positioned to be successful along the journey. The first thing that we have to do is to avoid making Sudden decisions. Yeah, you, you got to avoid making sudden decisions. The Bible says, and Lot lifted up his eyes, JT, and he saw. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw. And Lot lifted up his eyes. That, that's the detriment of some of us in the kingdom. When you lifted up your eyes and you saw from a distance, it looked appealing from a distance. It looked good from a distance. But the fact of the matter is, the closer you got to it, you realized, I made this decision way too fast. If you're going to avoid setbacks in your journey, you have to avoid making sudden decisions. Selfishly, Lot lifted up his eyes to look at the best region of the land, Minister Parker. Lot jumped up at a chance to get the best region. The idea is that he moved and made a decision immediately after he lifted up his head and saw that which was before him. He began to survey the land, Harris. He began to look at that which was the best watered, that which in his mind he thought would be the most fertile land that was before them. The decision that Lot made was a sudden decision. Check this out, family. The problem that exists here within these verses was not a problem that was brought on by Uncle Abram and or nephew lot. The Bible tells us that they had accumulated some things in the land of Egypt. They have resources now. They have animals. They have herds, which means they have to have people to work and to take care of all the animals.
animals and all the herds. The problem is that there arose an issue between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. The Bible tells us that after they had gotten these things, that Abram looked out amongst what was going on and with dignity, with graciousness, with civility and nobility, Abram suggests to his nephew Lot, perhaps we should split up for the whole land is before us. In verse 8, it tells us that. Now keep in mind that the future promise of the blessing was to Abram. It was not given to Lot. Abram is the spiritual one. Abram is the elder statesman. Abram is the one in which we hear that everywhere he travels he stops and builds an altar in order that he might worship the true and the living God. You never hear of Lot building altars. You never hear of Lot worshiping God. You never hear of Lot trusting in him. There is a selfishness that exists in this brother and if you're going to avoid setbacks along the journey. You cannot make sudden decisions. God is painting a clear picture, family, of how it is that Lot went about making this most critical decision. The Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw. The Bible does not say that he lifted up his eyes unto the hills from whence cometh his help. The Bible does not say that he lifted up his eyes and he called on God to help him make a decision. The Bible does not say that he was seeking ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that all this other stuff was added unto him. Am I talking to anybody in the kingdom that's had to deal with some ramifications, that's had to deal with some messy circumstances that's had to deal with some stuff that's happened in your life. Not because you were bad by nature. Not because God did not want the best for you. But the fact of the matter is you made a sudden decision and it backfired on you. Don't ever get caught up in what you see. Lot made an external decision without conducting an internal investigation. Don't you know he should have went there and said, let me check the land out. Don't you know he should have went there and said, let me see what it's like at nighttime around here. Don't you know he should have went there and said, let me see how my daughters interact with the other children in this city. But the fact is, he saw it looked good. It was light-skinned and light eyes. It was tall. It was dark. It was handsome. And Lot said, I want that. I want that. Somebody say, amen. You've said the same thing at some point in your life. That looks enticing. That looks good. Don't you know it was a snare. It was an enticement. It was a trap that the enemy placed in front of you. Yeah. It was a snare. 
It was an enticement. It was a trap. Abram is exhibiting family civility toward Lot. And instead of Lot taking a moment and thinking through the ramifications, he makes a sudden decision. He lifted up his eyes and he saw. Lot made a decision that would be detrimental to he and his family. He would have been better off if he had acquiesced to the older, to the wiser, and to the more spiritual uncle by the name of Abram. What he saw got the best of him. And it appears, family, from the text that Lot did not make this decision over time. It was impulsive that he made it. Listen to me, family. You put yourself at risk of being caught up in some stuff when you make hasty, rapid and fast decisions without considering the ramifications and the consequence. Just because the grass is greener on the other side don't mean you're supposed to be playing in that yard. If you water your own grass, your grass will be just as green as your neighbor's grass. Or let me put it this way, everything that glitters is not gold. Don't you know family, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 16 that the lust of the eye is not of the Father. The Bible says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Hmm. If you're going to avoid setbacks on your journey, Jamal, you got to avoid making sudden decisions. But not only do you have to avoid making sudden decisions, you have to avoid making senseless decisions. Oh, preacher, preach. The Bible says that he looked up and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. The decision that Lot made was senseless because it was selfish. The Bible gives us insight to the psyche of Brother Lot. He lifted up his eyes, and what did he see? He saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of Eden or the Garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. What a senseless, what an absurd, irrational decision that this brother made. Lot's premise for making this decision was predicated on his recollection 
mission of Egypt and what he had been told about the garden of the Lord. One place he had never seen and the other place he should have never been. Let me say that again, Jamal. One place he had never seen, Sister Erica, the other place he should have never been, Eden and Egypt. Lot obviously had heard about the Garden of Eden. He had heard about its abundance. He had heard about its fertility. He had heard about its lushness. However, it is not as if Lot had ever seen it for himself. For the Bible tells us that after the fall of Adam and Eve, that God in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, he drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. There is nothing that we have on record that indicates that after the expulsion of Adam and Eve, that man or woman or anyone had ever been in the garden of the Lord again. That rationale is senseless. But then there's a reference to the land of Egypt. It was a place in which Lot should have never been. They end up in Egypt because there's a famine in the land of Negev. The Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 11 verse 9 and 10. And though Abram believes in and though Abram is trusting God, his trust is growing and developing over time. For whatever reason, the famine in the land, first lady, created enough angst in him that it caused him to flee to Egypt. In Egypt, there was some lying. In Egypt, there was some conniving. In Egypt, there was some misrepresentation that took place in the land of Egypt. Egypt was not a place of the godly. Egypt was not a place of the holy. Egypt was not a place of the spiritual. And the fact of the matter is, how dare Lot that he would have the audacity, the temerity, the unmitigated gall, the self-aggrandizing nerve that he would even mention Egypt after God delivered them from the circumstance and the situation there. Don't you know that when God delivers you from a situation, you're not supposed to look back on it fondly. Don't you know that when God brings you up out of some stuff, you're not supposed to look ahead with eyes wide open, remembering the goodness and the greatness of the land you just came from. How foolish Lot was. How silly Lot was. How senseless Lot was that he did not realize that that wasn't the place you should have been in the first place. Is there anybody on Facebook? Is there anybody on YouTube? Is there anybody on the podcast that knows that God brought you up out of some places that you should have never been 
in the first place. You ought to shout, thank you, God, for bringing me out. Thank you, God, for delivering me. Thank you, God, for holding my hand and walking me out of my Egypt experiences. Lot says it was well watered like the garden of the Lord which he had never been in and like the plains of Egypt which is where he should have never been in the first place. <laughs> but he's looking at it and he is wondering what he can do with this place. It, it is senseless. It's senseless because in Egypt there was stuff that was going on that was not of God. Egypt was not the kind of place that one might reference with fond terminology, but it is senseless because Lot says that based on these things, he has a desire to pitch his tent. Point to somebody and say, be careful where you pitch your tent. Senseless decisions, family, make things difficult for us because they spring up out of a mindset that says I have more confidence in me than I do in the God that I serve. It springs forth out of a thought process when we fail to trust the Lord in all of our circumstances, when we're determined to lean on our own understanding. The Bible says in Psalm 118 verse 8 that it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. That means even if I'm the man that I'm putting my confidence in, it's better to trust God. And I believe that there's some folk that are in the kingdom. I believe that there are some inhabitants of the house of prayer. I believe that there are some saints of the high and holy God that realizes that God has a way of bringing you into and out of and up over and around and beneath some situations that would have cost somebody else their life. But God spared you because you put your trust in him. It did not make sense when you were in the midst of it. It did not really dawn on you in the midst of it that this was the best way to go but guess what when you trust God it may not make sense on the surface that's the reason faith is the substance of things hoped for but the evidence of things not seen it's intangible it's untouchable it is invincible but I trust God I didn't think he could do it I wasn't sure about it but guess what God God had you put one foot in front of the other. God had you lay some stuff down by the wayside. God removed some people out of your life. He had you walk away from some situations and circumstances, not because you deserved it, but because you said, God, I trust you. He put you up on the table of spirituality, and he said, now jump. I'm going to catch you. Now jump. 
And some of us backed up. Some of us shook our head and said no. But there are others who went flying off the table of spirituality. And guess what God did? He caught you up in the midst of it right then and right there. But Lot made a senseless decision. Lot did not give it thought. He compared it to things that he wasn't even familiar with the spiritual ramifications of what he was saying. He had not been to Eden. He should not have been in Egypt. If you're going to avoid setbacks on your journey, you have to avoid making sudden decisions. If it is of God, it's worth praying over. If it is of God, it's worth waiting for him to open the door that man cannot close or to close the door that man cannot open. But also, you have to not only avoid making sudden decisions, you have to avoid making senseless decisions. This just doesn't make sense in the big scheme of things. This does not seem of God. This does not seem that God would bring me this far to drop me by the wayside to allow me to begin figuring out for myself. He's been leading me and guiding me and directing me. And now I'm putting myself in a situation where now I am becoming the ruler and the architect of my own circumstance and journey. No, family, no. That is not of God. We have to trust God and allow God to be God all by himself. God, I know you have a plan. God, I know you have a purpose. And I know that you're leading me. You're guiding me. You're directing me. I cannot become impatient. I cannot become selfish in my decision making. I have to avoid making sudden decisions and I have to avoid making senseless decisions. But then finally, family, the Bible says in verse 11, we're done. So Lot chose for himself. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Yeah, he, he chose for himself. It was not something that God chose for him, but he chose for himself. All the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east, thus they separated from each other. Lot made a narrow-minded decision in that Lot made a shallow decision. You have to avoid making sudden decisions. You have to avoid making senseless decisions. But you have also have to avoid making shallow 
decisions. It was shallow. There was nothing substantive about his thought process that he is contemplating making this move. It was impractical in nature. He is making the worst decision of his life. Lot cannot begin to even fathom the ramifications of the decision that he is about to make. The Bible says, so Lot chose for himself. That ought to make you cringe. That ought to make you wince when you think about the fact that he made this decision. Here is a man that has spent time with his uncle Abram. Here is a man that has witnessed firsthand the relationship between a godly individual and the true and the living God. And yet he has not taken any notes. Though he is a righteous man, Second Peter tells us, there is some carnality and some worldliness that exists in Lot. You, you know what I'm talking about. We got folk like that even in the kingdom of God today. I don't question whether they are ultimately saved, but they are living beneath the privileged potential in which God would have them to live because there's a worldliness about them. There is a carnality about them. And we have to call it the way it is. I believe that there are people in the kingdom right now that have had to cry themselves to sleep at night because of some shallow decisions that they've made. I believe that there are people in the kingdom right now that are suffering from financial devastation because of some shallow decisions that they've made. I believe that there are people in the kingdom right now that are fighting for their mental health, for their emotional stability because of some shallow decisions that they've made. I believe that there are people in the kingdom right now that are dealing with rejection, that are dealing with dismissiveness, that are dealing with depression because they made some shallow decisions along the way. But when you know better, you expected to do better. And guess what? My decisions from this day forward are going to be built up on the foundation of what thus saith the Lord. I'm not going to stand in three feet of water. I'm not going to stand in shallow circumstances. I'm not going to stand in a shallow situation when I know God has more planned for me. Is there a believer? Is there a person that knows I've made some mistakes? I've missed the mark. I've done some things wrong. But guess what? You're looking at a new person. It's a new day. And now I got to walk in the newness of my God. Lot did not take into consideration what he was getting into. He made a sudden decision. He made a senseless decision. And he made a shallow decision. 
You did not look beneath the surface. So you chose for yourself. Hmm. So many people have been misled by appearances. Somebody say amen. By the lust of the eyes and by what looks good to them. There is far more to life, family, than the physical and the material. Hmm. Far more to life, family, than bright lights, pleasures, possessions, positions and prosperity. Lot was selfish, but Abram was sacrificial. <laughs> yeah, Abram had the right to live in the most perfect area of the land that he desired. Because God gave the promise to Abram. Abram did not act out of self-interest. Abram did not act out of self-centeredness. Abram did not act out of self-regard because Abram did not act out of selfishness. He was willing to do what was in the best interest of Lot. Let me say that again. He, he was willing to do what was in the best interest of Lot. That reminds me of somebody over in the New Testament that was willing to do what's in the best interest of others. The Bible tells me that he came down because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible told me that he came through 42 generations because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible says he enveloped himself in flesh and was born to a virgin because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible said he was laid in a lonely manger because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible says he walked around and talked and spoke like no one had ever done before because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible tells me that he walked on water and he healed those that were blind and fixed up those who were lame because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible tell me he took two fish and five loaves and fed a multitude of people because it was in the best interest of others. But then the Bible says that they took him and they pierced him on his hands and on his feet because it was in the best interest of others. And they stretched him out and they hung him high because it was in the best interest of others. And the Bible said he hung his head and told his father it is finished because it was in the best interest of others. The Bible said they put him in a borrowed tomb and he stayed there on Friday because it was in the best interest of others. He stayed there on Saturday because it was in the best interest of others. But Sunday morning, I said
said Sunday morning. I said Sunday morning. I said early on Sunday morning. He got up with all power in his hands because it was in the best interest of others. He was not selfish. He was not self-centered. He did not operate out of self-interest, self-regard, or self-centeredness. He did what was in the best interest of others. L listen to me, family, and we're done. If you're going to avoid some setbacks in your journey, some snares, some enticements, some traps, you have to avoid making sudden decisions. Don't go by what you see. Go by what you know. Don't ever conduct an external decision, make an external decision without conducting an internal investigation. I don't care what it looks like. You better lift up the hood, check the engine, kick the tires, and make sure that it is what it is. You have to avoid making, you have to avoid making, not only sudden decisions, you gotta avoid making senseless decisions. Your ex ain't coming back. And if the truth be told, you really don't want them back anyway. That's the reason they're an ex or a former or however you want to classify them. I don't want the old job back. I've moved on. I don't want to live back in the old neighborhood. I've moved on. God has given me a newness that I want to walk in now. The old is past. I'm going to look forward to what God has planned and purposed for me. You have to avoid making sudden decisions. You have to avoid making senseless decisions, but finally you have to avoid making shallow decisions. The Bible says Lot chose for himself. Wow. Wow. You know some of the worst circumstances I've ever experienced in life were based on decisions that I made. Couldn't blame my wife though I tried. Couldn't blame my kids, though I tried. Couldn't blame where I came from. Daddy wasn't there, mama wasn't right, though I tried. Couldn't blame my boss or my friends, though I tried. The fact of the matter is, I chose for myself. Shout. If you're going to avoid setbacks along the journey, family, you got to first deal with this thing of selfishness. And if you receive that word, you ought to give God a hearty hand of praise. A hearty hand of praise. Listen, listen, listen mentioned that Jesus did not act 
act selfishly. God gave the best that he had in order for us to have an opportunity to accept Jesus as Lord and as Savior of our lives. But if you're watching us today, if you're listening to us today, and you don't know Jesus as your say, I am telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're making a bad decision. You're making a bad decision. Because today can be the day of new beginnings for you. If you're willing to just say, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I've missed the mark. I've not acquiesced to you. I've not surrendered my heart to you. But today, Lord, I feel the unction. I feel the pulling of the Holy Spirit. And it's today that I want to surrender my life to you, God. I'm going to invite you in. And I know, I know, I know, based on everything I've heard, that my life will never, ever be the same. If you're willing to repent, if you're willing to pray that prayer with remorse, with contrition, with sincerity, I'm telling you, Jesus will come in and your life will never, ever be the same. Pray with us today. God, we thank and praise. We honor you for who you are, for what you've done. There's somebody, God, we believe that's watching today. And though they may have good intentions, they've never surrendered themselves to you. God, we're praying that today will be the day of new beginnings. We pray, Lord God, that they would not allow their fear, that they would not allow their pride to be a setback along this journey. Now, God, we pray that they would confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they would believe in their heart that, Father, you've raised him from the dead, and that they would walk out of darkness into the marvelous light. And if they're willing to do that, God, we say hallelujah and thank you. Angels in heaven are rejoicing, and so are those of us who are in the kingdom. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let the people of God say amen. Come on and give God some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. We thank God. We praise him. Listen, family, don't forget, we want to see you on Bible study, Wednesday night Zoom Bible study. If you're interested in joining us on Bible study, reach out to Sister Lydia. Haley Clark, she'll get you the information for you to dial in and join with us. We've been going through principles of discipleship. We've been talking about three specific things, conversion, we're talking about discipleship and mentorship. So if you're available, if you're able, we want to see you on there. You can dial in for those of you who are camera shy, uh, unless you're doing selfies and placing them on Facebook. I see people on Facebook, they ain't never on Zoom Bible study. They ain't got no problem showing themselves on social media but they don't want to be seen on religious stuff. Amen. Listen, we want you to dial in. You got to get in touch with Sister Lydia. For those of you who are interested in coming over the next couple of weeks on Saturday and hanging out with us on the weekends as we're recording the services, all you have to do is reach out to Lydia. She'll let you know you can come. Listen, if you sign up, though, we expect you to be here because that means somebody else could have come in your spot if we had known you weren't going to show up. Amen. So make sure you reach out to Sister Lydia uh, about that. Listen, family, we love you. We appreciate you, all of those who are listening. Uh, those of you who are close by, listen. We're planning on opening up on the first Sunday in April. 
Resurrection Sunday. You cannot just show up, though. You got to sign up. We're still going to be doing social distancing. We're going to be checking temperatures. You have to wear a mask, but we have the utilization of the entire church. We'll be using the sanctuary, the balcony, and Otterbury Hall to make sure people are distanced, that they can be comfortable as we come back together to worship and praise God together. Amen. Listen, family, in spite of what you're going through and in spite of the difficulty of that which has taken place in this 2021 calendar year, despite of all of that, the attacks, the antagonism, and the alienation, we are determined that we're going to be strong and we're going to be courageous. Amen. May God bless you and keep you till we meet again. Bless you, family. with Pastor and First Lady Thomas, we want to thank you for joining us today. We pray that something was said or done that left you feeling strengthened and inspired throughout your week. And Mount Sinai family, while we're apart, we want to remind you there are three ways to bring our tithes and offerings through the website at mountsinaisanpedro.org. By mail to 225 South Mesa Street by dropping it off at the church. As a reminder, the safest way for drop-off or mail is not with cash, but by check or money order. And at Mount Sinai, our desire is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through conversion, discipleship, and mentorship. If you're joining us today and you're unsaved or unchurched, we pray that online service does not replace your local church. Reach out and connect with us or a church that's close to you where you can learn the Bible and grow in obedience and love for God while exercising your faith. Lastly, family, through 2021, let's remember to be strong and courageous.